Come on, boys. Let's crack on, eh? I'm Dave. I'm Rob. I'm Richard. And I'm Mark Boyos. And as Mark subtly demonstrated there, this week we're going to his home country, his hometown almost, to do Wacky Wales, also known as Welsh Rugby. First broadcast on the 3rd of March 1975, which was a Monday at 9pm. Did we all enjoy this episode? I enjoyed up to the first 20 minutes, but after that I think the when it gets the rugby playing and the ecclesiastical... Uh, matches, I think it drags quite a lot. Yeah, look, I must admit, this was far better than I remembered, and there was a lot in this that I'd forgotten. Mm. Basically, any stuff that didn't involve John Pertwee, I'd completely forgotten, because I haven't watched this one in a long time. Mm. But I really enjoyed most of it. Mm. Rob, what about you? I enjoyed all of it, even the uh, the Ecclesiastical Sevens. The way it was shot and performed, I thought that was pretty good. But the first two-thirds, it is a little bit like Scotland, the episode Scotland, where, you know... We're, we're, we're moving our view towards Wales this time and all the tropes come out that way. But I enjoyed it. I thought it was really well done. And Richard? I enjoyed it as well. I, I think the John Pertwee stuff tends to overshadow perhaps the rest of the episode. And I saw it when I was young. I probably didn't get a lot out of the last 10, 15 minutes of it at all. But watching it back as an adult, I actually found that quite entertaining. And, and even the John Pertwee stuff, as a kid you watch it and it's just John Pertwee doing a funny voice and saying funny things about you know, not going to the toilet... As an adult, though, you get a whole lot of the subtle stuff that comes in there and a whole mm. lot of references and what it's all about. It takes on a whole new level. Mm, yes. And it's far, far better, I think, mm. as an adult. So it opens up with Tim packing a suitcase and they want to know if he's leaving. But <laughs> no, he's going to Wales. With his goldfish. With yes. his goldfish. <laughs> this is what I love about the goodies, that at this point in their run, every single scene is packed with something that's amusing. Yes. And he doesn't make a song and dance about packing the goldfish in the bowl. No, it's just he in... just picks it up and puts it in, and the audience is there and they're sort of chuckling away. And I think it's that's really well done. Yeah. And this opening scene is filled with a large amount of what I think we could call pigeon Welsh. Now we've brought our native Welsh speaker with us today to tell us how much of all of that sequence was genuine and how much was just funny sounding Welsh words. Now I'm going to preface this and actually say that I'm a lapsed. Welsh speaker. So that's the best uh, kind. That's the best Welsh well, kind. So basically, when I was not laughing, there are some words in there that are Welsh, and obviously the accent is very, very convincing, but the letter is peppered with words like Max Bygraves. There was a mixture of comic lines in there, but there were some Welsh words in there. Yes, yeah, like using umbrella, for example, as a random Welsh name. Yes, yeah, and uh, last Thursday. And the town that where they're going to, which is Clan Clubber. Clan Clubber. Yeah. There, there is really, and I'm probably getting a little ahead, you're right, Rob, this is very much like the Scotland episode, just with Wales. There is a lot of Welsh references, puns, yes. references, mm. sight gags, yeah, like yeah. where they ride in, there's the two ladies sitting there in the tall hats yeah, that yeah. look like they're chimneys. That's, yeah, they're dressed in a Welsh national costume. There, Pe- people eating leeks. Yes. <laughs> Mark, as our resident Welsh expert, the Minister for Wales, in actual fact, <laughs> the, the way the episode portrays... Wales is if it's a doer, religiously repressed, excitement-free zone. That loves rugby. That loves, that really loves rugby. I mean, you have... The rugby part is right. The rest of it, from, you know, what you know? It's a pretty happening place. <laughs> Was it a pretty happening place in the mid-70s? God, no. Okay. <laughs> so basically it's a backwater in the 1970s, is that right? I think, look, I think it was more the national perception of Wales at the time was it was a backwater. Mm-hmm. 
but yes, it was. It didn't have the best reputation back then, and it probably still doesn't, to be perfectly honest, with the English. But you know, well, I've been to Wales a couple of times. I went once as a kid in the early nineties, and mm. uh, we sort of just hovered around the border and you know, did the canals and stuff. But mm. I visited Cardiff in twenty ten, I think it was, and that had the same sort of feeling as the industrial north of England, you know, Liverpool, Manchester, yeah. that it was a place that had really been neglected for a very long time, but only recently was now starting to be reinvigorated. And you've got something like Royal Dale Plaza in Cardiff, yes. which is itself, a, you know, that, that wonderful new sort of taking back the urban wasteland sort of development. But if you stray too far past it, you look sort of into the Jasmine Allen estate, sort of housing estates sort of stuff. It's yeah. 75 again. <laughs> yeah, yeah, very much. But you're right, but the whole, the, the, the Millennium State and all that area, and the, mm. that, that's all been rejuvenated. Now look, it's, it's actually quite nice. Yeah, it yeah. is, it is. Yeah. Well, although the new Welsh Parliament just screams this was built in 1999. It has not aged well. No, no. But that's okay. It's fair to say, though, that the Welsh gags or the Welsh humour here we see here is a staple of British comedy. Mm. I can remember similar jokes to that in stuff like No Job for a Lady. Men Behaving Badly had a regular go at the Welsh. You Red know, Dwarf, mate. Red Dwarf, yeah, yep, yep. What was it? Transmitting yeah, all languages, including, including Welsh. Welsh yes. Yep. So, you know, those, those sort of jokes have been around for a long time. Mm. So when you were watching it on the ABC, did you get a lot of those Welsh references? No, probably not. Not, not as much. Scotland, when you watch Scotland as well, did you get a lot of those Scottish No, again, well? again, probably not. I mean, it, it's hard. And I think we've discussed this in other episodes. There, there is probably a generation of Australians whose knowledge of British culture come from the goodies and other TV shows that made fun of them. Like, we all know Bogner is obviously somewhere where people don't really want to go because <laughs> the goodies made fun of it. We only probably know Nicholas Parsons because he's that bloke the goodies made fun of. Yeah, yeah. Tony Blackburn's another yes. example of that. I would say that Scottish culture has been, you know, more heavily exported around the world and is more familiar. So I personally, as a young youngster, would have got more out of the Scotland episode mm. than the Wales episode because my question now is, what is the Welsh culture that we would be sort of getting into? Well, you certainly knew what bagpipes were and what yes. the kilt was yes. and the accent of the Loch Ness Monster yes. and the Highlands, that sort of stuff. I think Welsh culture was a bit more vague, partly, I guess, because they were just quietly absorbed into England in the 1400s rather yes. than being brutally absorbed in the kingdom by violence and trickery, (laughs) as as Scotland was, and they've been fighting for independence ever since. We won't go into that. So the goodies have been invited up to the Astedford to take part, and they get on their tandem and bike up to Wales. Yes, that's right. Uh, That includes, as we said, some really good gags there. There's the women with the chimney stipe pipe hats. There's the, the lovely little joke about Lord Snowden. Yes. Who's there taking yes. photos? It's supposed to Snowdonia, but it's actually Lord Snowden. Well, Mount, Mount Snowden is the highest peak in Wales, is yeah, that what? Yeah. Yes. Yeah, it's lovely around there, actually. And then also the Please Drive Caffili. Actually, uh, interestingly, just going back to the Snowden thing, mm-hmm. do you reckon that's a real car? that comes down when he's standing on the road taking the photos yes. and it comes past yeah, him. Yeah, That's yeah. actually a... The member of the public. Is a member of the public who's just come into the shoot? Yeah, yeah. yeah I think so. I think so. <laughs> yeah. yeah, Because it actually adds nothing to the scene. No. And you watch the goodies. They're waving at it as they go past it. <laughs> uh, yeah, and they have the signs. No singing, dancing, girls, no hope, no chance. <laughs> they then get on the train. Yes. Where the joke is that they need the train to get from one side of the platform name to the other. <laughs> and we've... Carefully printed out the name of that town, which does officially have the longest place name in the world. Mark, go for it. Oh, it's cruel. If my granddad, who's long since departed, heard me bastardising this, he's going to get very upset. So, 
Hranvaya, Hoskwingeth, Gogerich, Hoydoboch, Santesilio, Gogogoch. It is a made up word and apparently it means St Mary's Church by the pool of the white hazel trees near the rapid whirlpool by the red cave of the Church of St Ticilio. Yes, I'm oh, a gogoch at the end. And that is actually the name of a real railway station. Yeah. Yes, yeah. yes, but, but it was confected for tourism purposes in yes. the 1840s, I think. Mm-hmm. And apparently actually the spelling on the goodies episode is wrong. 1860s, yeah. With 58 characters, it is the longest place name in Europe and the second longest official one-word place name in the world. Of course, and they actually go past your hometown, Mark, and then they get on a boat to go to the island of Hlandlubber. 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 Yes. Where they meet the priest of the Seventh-day Repressionists. Yes. As played by a guy called uh, John Pertwee. Anyone heard of him? Now, all jokes aside, John Pertwee, of course, is a very famous actor, best known to us for... His role for five years as the Doctor in Doctor Who, which would have been immediately prior to this. Also did a number of films, particularly the Carry On films. At the time that he was doing this, he was doing... Who Done It? Who Done It? And a couple of years later, he would go on to his other famous role, which was Wurzel Gummidge. Yes. Now, the note I have here is that part was originally to be played by Windsor Davies. Correct. That would have been a very different performance. Yeah, that would have been a very different performance, I think. So what what was he recast? We can talk about that later, perhaps, because there's a little bit around it. It was because the recording was delayed. Okay, Who's right. Windsor Davies? He was in eight half It's the Sergeant Major of my own half hot mum. The tall bloke with the thin yeah, yeah. yeah. Right, lovely boys. Let's have a look at you. <laughs> Disgusting! Gents, what did we think of Mr Pertwee's performance here? He's in his natural element, isn't he? Yeah, it really is just a, a stand-up running show from him for about the next 10 minutes. I thought he was great. I mean, look, it is probably one of his playing to the audience, mm. scene-stealing little cameos that he did, if you think about something like Carry On Screaming. Yeah. But uh, no, I thought he was great. We've often said that the guest artist's performance is, is dependent on how they decide to pitch their performance. Yes. And with Pertwee, for me, it's not perfect. He hits the mark beautifully. And unlike a lot of, of the guest artists, he knows what he's doing. He knows yeah. where to pitch it perfectly. And I compare his performance to Patrick Troughton's performance from earlier. Yeah. And... Troughton is, even though I think that Troughton is by far the better actor, Pertwee just blows him off, that performance off the screen. Well, yeah. well Pertwee really has a background as well as doing a lot of cabaret. And mm. you have, you know, the John Pertwee shows where he'd go out to, you know, various clubs around the country and get paid under the table to do a bit of a cabaret performance. And so that concept of just going on stage in front of a live audience and playing to them yeah. is very much his, his element. And we discussed in the last episode how much of the goodies now at their best, is that playing to the audience and actually mm. giving a performance mm. that the audience can lap up, and he does it brilliantly. He does. And there is apparently an anecdote about this where, particularly when he comes down and he's standing over Tim, talking to him in that first scene, if you notice, he's looking down at the floor, and it's because he actually had the script written out there, which I believe is, is also part of a feature of his Doctor Who performance. Now, Tim apparently was aware of that and actually moved his position, <laughs> so it became even more obvious <laughs> that we was looking down onto the floor. But So that he can remember that there are exact 9,764 deadly sins. And so, look, I mean, that's just a whole running gag about the various things that the uh, repression start repressing. Uh, you know, for example, you know, do you have sandwiches? Sandwiches?! <laughs> you're wanting lavatories next hang on a minute yes yeah. you're all the dying breed I suspect you're dying for a shit <laughs> <laughs> and he also gets some really good lines like that it's an old Welsh word from the old Welsh <laughs> Fed, meaning, meaning board, board and fud, fud meaning, meaning stuff and his eyes go cross-eyed when he says it 
Yeah. Yeah, look, it's just a really funny yeah. performance. I can't think of a better guest actor performance to date in the series. Mm. I mean, awesome. he, look, he may be playing to the audience and there's an element of slightly over the toppedness. But it works. But it works really yeah. well. And, and he's doing Welsh without it being ridiculous. Yep. Mm. You know, it's obviously a slightly exaggerated comic effect mm. Welsh accent, mm. but it's not so ridiculous as to take you out of it, yeah. which is a really clever way to do it. Mm. Yeah. They then force the goodies to take part in the Astedford, yes, which involves various Welsh ladies, uh, some leeks, yes, a brass band, yes, and also a heavy metal version of Welcome in the Hillside. Oh. Yes, that's right. We'll keep yeah. a welcome in the hillside. Yeah, where Bill, uh, I was looking at the band. Bill looks like reminds me of Charles Manson. <laughs> well, uh, I was about to say yeah, the, with the swastikas. Yeah, uh, the swastikas. <laughs> he was not get away with those. No uh, arm and uh, on his chest. Yeah. Tim looks like Ozzy Osbourne, and I don't know who Grown's supposed to be, but uh, that's actually quite funny. Yeah, there was some very weird stuff in there, including the bit with Tim and the fans. Yes, which was just odd. But you notice that makes the opening credits in it the last season. Yes, it does. It does. Yeah. I just oh, I thought in that sequence, all three of them played uh, the physical comedy really, really well. All three of them got to shine in that short sequence. Mm. <laughs> Especially Bill in the cowboy suit. Yes. yes. The uniform. Yeah. Just sort of prancing around. Prancing around, yeah. yeah. Very good. Yeah. So, unfortunately, though, the goodies have entertained the Welsh people too much. <laughs> and as a result, the reverend puts them on trial, which includes the lovely gag as they stand behind the bar, the prisoners at the bar. Yes. <laughs> And at this point, Pertwee is just going nuts because he's... I don't know how much of that's ad-libbed, mm. but I reckon a, a bit of it is particularly the way that yeah. he's dealing with some of the extras in the cast. Yeah. yeah. They decide that they're going to execute the goodies mm. and suddenly it becomes this idea that all Welsh people are secretly druids. <laughs> yes, well, they, of course, do their thing where suddenly... Yes, we're Welsh. Welsh, yes, we're Welsh. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Shirley Bassey was my granny. Yeah. I was the same fit as Tom Jones. Harry Seagum. Harry Seagum. And Mary Hopkins. And we'll go, who? Uh, of course, Mary Hopkins is who Paul McCartney. Yes, uh, produced. Produced. Uh, yes, she. Days, my friend. Yes, and she also was uh, Goodbye, Goodbye, was one of her songs. Yeah. But of course, the leading to all this is that they decide before they're going to execute the goodies, they'll sing a quick hymn, hymn number 42. Oh, yes. And it turns out to be a Welsh rugby song. Yes. that allows them to all join in. That then explains that their whole reason for their repression mm. is so that they can enjoy the rugby more and be, <laughs> be ready for peak fitness for the rugby. At which point this episode takes a very hard turn <laughs> yes. and suddenly becomes a long joke about rugby. Which and religion. Is, and religion. Now, rugby's a game kind of like Australian rules football that they play north of here. With the rugby, growing up in Melbourne, which for non-Australian listeners is a... Australian rules town, Australian rules football town. Rugby's probably a little bit alien for us. Yes. Certainly yeah. at that time as well. Uh, yeah, back in the 80s you just didn't hear of rugby down here at all. Well, no. I have a dim memory of being a boy and watching rugby on a Sunday on the ABC, probably in black and white or on a black and white telly in the 70s. And it was the most god-awful, boring version of the game that I've ever seen. It was a slog in the wet and it was terrible. Thankfully, it's actually improved. But... Well, even Rugby Union now... Is and I'm still... talking about Rugby Union, yes. Yeah, even Rugby Union now is still second in Australia to Rugby League. Mm. Um, the, the Wallabies play Rugby Union, but their domestic competition's all Rugby League. Yeah. Yes. Gents, what did we think of the whole ecclesiastical Rugby Seven stuff? As I said, as a child, I must admit, I probably blocked that whole last 10 minutes of the episode out, yes. I, I think, because it really didn't 
mean anything to me when I was young. I thought it was quite clever. It's quite satirical, I thought, in places. One thing I did note, it shows actually when this episode was recorded because there's the mention there for people not watching in colour. Yes, yes. The, the, the strips that they're wearing. Yeah. The guy presenting that, he was actually a BBC presenter. I don't think he was a rugby commentator. He did that very well, actually. Yeah, there, yeah. there was, uh, there was yeah. just a little bit of levity going on there, I think. There's a couple of good bits in it, like the Festival of Light, mm. talking about uh, I, I, I think... and Mary Whitehouse. The Mary Whitehouse is a hooker. For example, is a great line. I think some of it you might struggle with today, particularly the bit where they make the joke about the Mohammedans not forfeiting the game because they wanted to play facing towards Mecca and wouldn't change yes. ends at half time. Yes, um, oh, that, that was that was quite. If you're going to make fun of various religions, I thought that was quite a fun, quite a fun line. Hmm. Yes. Okay. They have a few others in there, like there's the team of Derek Nimos. Yes. Well, he did not only O Brother and O Father, he was also in All Gas and Gators, which was an earlier religious hmm. themed show. Oh, okay. That's a late 60s, early 70s. I think that was, was he a what. comedian? Yeah, he was, yeah. A, he was a comedy actor. Yeah, he, okay. But he's probably best known for those sort of religious comedies. One thing I noticed when the Catholics are all chanting, they're all singing, We Are the Champions. Now, yes. <laughs> this was two years before the song actually came out. So I don't know whether Freddie was watching it, <laughs> but it could have been the inspiration. Well, there you go. Uh, the Catholics... Of course, go down to the Druids 159 to zero. Yes. Now, there is probably one of the quite famous edits made to that sequence here mm. in Australia. Mary Whitehouse fouls the guy and is sent off. And the quite well-known cut here is, of course, you actually see the bloke mouthing at her, and I think it is actually, f*** off, you old bitch. Uh, yes, that was cut here. Now, I'm, I'm with you, Richard, in that as a kid, this stuff just made no sense. It was actually quite dull. So... Very clearly, when I've watched this again, you know, many years ago when I first got copies of these tapes, I obviously got about halfway through the rugby stuff and turned off, just and thought, oh, it's all the rugby stuff now, I can just leave the episode. Because all the stuff right at the end in the changing rooms, that final gag, was completely new to me. There wasn't even vague memories. So mm. I, reckon I didn't even know that there were gags after the rugby. So after the rugby and the Druids beat all the other denominations. Yes. The goodies go in to see them in their locker room. Bill gets splashed with beer. So just another another go at Bill just getting... Was Bill expecting that? Because the look on his face is like... He's got a bit of a laugh he's going. He's got a bit of a laugh. I don't think and, he's expecting that. And I think Graham is trying quite hard not to laugh yeah. when he's having them just poured over himself down yes. the front of his trousers. <laughs> it's the uh, 70s version of Gatorade, so... <laughs> <laughs> now, one note I did have there, the 4 and 20 Virgin song they sing, that is a real song. It's called The Ball of Kirimua, which is a, a sort of a traditional, I guess you'd call it, bawdy song from the late 19th century. I think the more modern versions have had numerous verses added to it, and I think it's now a much filthier song probably than it was originally, but it, it is one of those sort of old bawdy type songs. Mm. An image of uh, John Pert with a pair of underpants on his head. Yes, uh, a jockstrap yes. on, jock on, jock on his head. 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 Yes, yes. That but was probably the funniest bit of that, actually. Yeah. Just, <laughs> he's got the black uh, uniform on and uh, he's got the, <laughs> the clerical robes. Yes, yeah. and the white jockstrap on it was uh, quite yeah, a contrast. My it, eye was just drawn to it repeatedly. So Yeah, it actually finishes quite well and then they have the, the final bit, which is the game where they use Tim as the ball and play rugby with him. Yes, they're basically being beaten up by the rugby players. <laughs> yeah, which is just a nice little gag to finish yeah, off. There's some good visual stuff in there so. too with the line marker. Yeah, when they exactly. make the trap door and then they yeah. make the circle. That's all very clever. And the actually. lever. And it's a new song as well. Yes. Play the game. That's right. Again, uh, Freddie Mer- oh, Brian May, I've heard that one. <laughs> just quietly. Just quietly. <laughs> well, and then of course it ends with the final scene where they're back in the office and Tim and Graham are off to church. 
And Bill has obviously joined the Ecclesiastical Seven aside because he's got a game on that afternoon, <laughs> much to the ire of the others. But of course, you then discover they're going into chant. He say, Almighty, Amen. <laughs> so look, that wraps up the episode. My takeaway from this was: look, I knew that the John Pertwee stuff was good, but I was a bit unsure about the rest of the episode. Having watched it again properly as an adult, this is yet another one that's really gone up in my estimations. John Pertwee's gone from being, I remember him being pretty good to just really, really good. The rest of the episode holds together really well. I think that it makes fun of the Welsh and is still, even more than the Scotland episode, I think it actually does it in a loving sort of fun way. Yeah. The Welsh people may not feel that I way. I wasn't offended by it at all. I actually thought the jokes were done in a really good manner. Well, there, there you, you go. Know, I've actually laughed a lot and I got a lot of the references and uh, yeah, I thought it was great. Mark, on behalf of four million Welsh people have spoken, thank you for that. All right, boy. Uh, guys, what did you think? No, overall, I, as I said at the start, I really enjoyed it. it it's one, like you, it's gone up in my estimation since uh, having watched it as a child because now I get a lot more out of the, the latter part of it. Uh, well, conversely, when I was a child, I got less out of the first part because I wouldn't have understood the references and more out of the, the game-playing aspect. This time around, I got a lot out of the first half. John Pertwee is absolutely fantastic. And uh, even the, the last third, uh, the game-playing, a lot of colour and movement, a lot of gags... Uh, Mary Whitehouse, you know, and all that sort of thing. I, I really enjoyed it. So, yeah, this is a really good episode. Season 5 is firing on all cylinders. Mm. I have one note here just before we go into our regular sections. At the start, where they're in the office, if you notice the blackboard up above Graham's computer, it says, by Funky Given on it. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. Oh, does it? Yeah, because it was just after the Funky Given single had come out. And guess what? I did. <laughs> now, before we go into our tropes, Richard, you've got some comments on the production stuff yet? This one was recorded only three days before it was transmitted. Wow. What, what happened was that the early part of season five was affected by industrial action at the BBC. A whole heap of programs got put back because of it, and the goodies themselves were bumped from being what probably would have been a late 1974 screening to going into 1975. Welcome to Harold Wilson's Britain, everyone. <laughs> <laughs> the only two they had in the can when the strike hit were Clown Virus, which was done first in movies. So then they had to reschedule, and we're not talking a few weeks, we're actually talking months. Clown Virus and movies were recorded in April. It's December before we get the next recording block. Wow. This is December of 74. Okay. Um, so we're talking nearly eight, eight months before they get done. They record Chubby Chumps in South Africa, then they have the break for Christmas, and they come back in February to keep recording. And at that point, the BBC have decided when they're going to start showing season five. So they would only have about a week or two's buffer between recording the episodes and them actually going out. What then happened was the BBC decided they weren't very happy with the South African episode, pulled it from the transmission schedule. So that meant that they then, for the rest of the season, they then have to do this thing where they record on the Friday and the thing is transmitted on the Monday. Wow. And this is the first episode done like that. So it really becomes very much, we have to go into the studio, we've got four hours or whatever to get this recorded, we have to do it properly. But obviously the scripts are done, prepared well before this and the OB yes. work is done well the before OB this. The OB work is done, okay. but they've got no time for remounts if they screw up the studio recordings. Okay. And they basically, for the next probably eight or nine weeks, this is how the goodies is made. It's shot on Friday and then transmitted the following Monday. It's real grinding pace. But it doesn't actually show in, say, this episode's studio scenes. There's no. a nice lightness and pace to it that doesn't indicate a certain fear. No. Uh, if anything, perhaps the fact that it was done under that pressure and done as live 
actually adds to that, and we're seeing that in some of the performances. Yeah, we yeah. We'll get to when we get to South Africa. They actually then have to go back and they have to do a remount for part of South Africa. Gee. Yeah. I'll, I'll look forward to that discussion. Yes, yeah, so that we'll keep that for a few weeks' time. Okay. But. Oh, there you go. Yeah. And that takes us into our regular segments. Were there any tropes this week? I actually had none written down. Well, they mentioned Rolf Harris at one point, don't they? Yes, they do. And Max Bygraves. Max and okay. uh, obviously Mary Whitehouse makes another appearance. Yeah. Well, a appearance, not Desiri Cartwars. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's true. Um, but but that, that seems to be it, because there, there wasn't any No, I didn't have any others. Okay. What couldn't they get away with today? The Schwartz stickers on Bill, for a start. Yeah, we mentioned that. I think probably also jumping on the... Uh, a, taking the girl's top off and yeah. then jumping on her at the end of the stage show. Yeah, I don't, yeah. Um, yeah. With the way sound effects yeah, I, the I, end of it, yeah. Is the depiction of religion, or the use of you know religion as a, as a sporting metaphor, something that you could use today, or just the religions themselves in the games? I think you might be slightly more careful about how you tackle some of them. Yeah. But I think you could do it. Yeah. Would you dare mention the Mohammedans at all, or...? I think it would depend on the show and the audience. Yeah. I mean, South Park would. Mm. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. But, but whether a mainstream BBC One sitcom would, I'm less certain. Yes, true. Yes. Yeah. There were five cuts made when it was screened here by the ABC. There's a couple of bits in the Welsh letter. Uh, there's a get stuffed. Yeah. And a bit about indecent exposure. Yeah. Uh, cut out of the Welsh letter at the start. When they're on the stage at the Estedford, the bit where Bill's flashing... Tim and Graham, that was edited, okay. um, the fan dance yep. sequence. Mm. There's a bit where they sing hymn number 42 when they're about to execute them. There's the bit there where they, they go about, we'll be all right in the middle of the night. Uh, there's one we mentioned earlier about the uh, bloke mouthing off at Mary Whitehouse yes. uh, when she's sent off. Yeah. And the last bit is during where they sing about the four and 20 virgins. Uh, there's a section there where he says the song's about virgins and you can't get any flipping holier than that. Yes. Uh, that was also cut here. Yeah. And I remember watching this episode the ABC, it must have been 87 or 88, they must have had a scheduling hole of two nights because they actually put this episode and Chubby Chumps on because I do remember it because I taped it, I had a, I put it on the end of a videotape with 82 episodes of the goodies I had for years, so I had these on high rotation. And that was it? That was it, yeah. Maybe it was to fill the gap when the Hitchhiker's rerun or something. It might have been, it could have been that, yeah, or Off the Road didn't go through. UK TV did show this unedited in the, in the night. Yeah, it's, it has been around unedited yeah. since, but uh, no, the ABC was... Packed it to death. Uh, I think it's only about 30 seconds, but yes, they did uh, make a number of cuts. Okay, and we'll move to our favourite gags. Richard, your turn. Uh, well, other than John Pertwee, I get a laugh out of, and you can hear the audience groan as well, is Bill at the start where he says, he goes, you, you'll like this. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I went for a cup of tea, and I stood for dinner. Yeah. <laughs> Rob? Mine was a visual gag during the I stood for performance, the... Uh, Druid, I suppose, in the audience, taps the woman on the sh- on the shoulder <laughs> and asks him, you know, she removes her hat and then he's sitting there and he's looking and you can actually see what's on stage. Richard Ford taps her again on the shoulder <laughs> and she knows to put the hat back on. So I enjoyed that. Mark? There were lots of visual references I really enjoyed. When they're doing the trial, Llewellyn, Llewellyn says, look at him over there, the undertaker, dying the death, the bank manager, Owen the money, lodger, Evans above. And he goes, have a leak. No, thanks, just had one. <laughs> Look, all the John Pertwee stuff was good. I'll, I'll go for the line, it's old Welsh from the old Welsh. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, a very funny episode. So next week we'll be back with Frank and Fido. So while you consider scrambling the genome of your favourite pet, let's take a walk in the Black Forest. <laughs> 
You've been listening to the Goodies Pirate Podcast, the Australian podcast that puts the good in goodies. If you've enjoyed what you've heard, please do leave us a review on iTunes. We'd love to hear your thoughts on this episode or your thoughts on upcoming episodes. So please drop us a line by email at pirategoodiespc at gmail.com. Send us a tweet at at pirategoodiespc or find us on Facebook at facebook.com stroke pirategoodiespc. Goodies, goody, goody, yum, yum. Wanting lavatories next. <laughs> Oi, don't tell me I'm going to eat lavatories. Temples of Beelzebub. <laughs> the open door to hellfire and brimstone. The hot seat. <laughs> no wonder you're a dying race. Stay you're all dying for a spill. <laughs> There's a certain Welsh village which has become world famous simply because of its name. A name which enables the village to boast one of the longest railway station signs in the world. Situated on the beautiful Isle of Anglesey, it is called Llanfair Pwllgwyn Gellgogerach This song will teach you how to say it. Llanfair Pwllgwyn Gellgogerach Wyrndrobo Llantisilio Gogogoch a name which has fascinated everyone, a name which is there for all to see, a name you will learn to say to anyone if you listen carefully. Right, now we'll take it slowly. Are you ready, children? Let's teach the world. Llanfair. Llanfair. Pwllgwyngyll. Pwllgwyngyll. Gogerich wyrndrobwll. Gogerich wyrndrobwll. Llantisilio. Go, 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 go. That's all there is to it, so let's sing it. Believe me, it's easy when you know how, so I'll teach you in a song. And you will soon be saying it if you simply sing along. The word means St. Mary's Church in a hollow by the white hazel, close to the rapid whirlpool, near the red cave of St. Tisilio. Llanfair, 
Dann fein, und wenn wir uns vorgehen, dann 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 wir uns vor